0: the call with Nancy Cebedo with monthly Bible teacher Patsy Ho. So Patsy Ho explained the parable of the sower in our previous session, and today she will be continuing in Matthew 13, specifically verses 31 through 33, to talk about the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. Patsy, would you like to begin by reading the passage?
1: Hello Nancy. I'd be honored to read God's Word. Matthew 13, 31 to 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the
0: door. So Patsy, before we dive into the details of the parable, I was wondering if there's any significance in the placement of this parable after the parable of the sower?
1: Great question, Nancy. And the answer is yes. In the parable of the sower, we know that there were four types of soil and only the good soil produced good fruit. This meant that only a humble and contrite heart truly believes and follows Jesus Christ. So Jesus' disciples must have been thinking that Jesus' kingdom was going to be quite small and insignificant, as at best, one out of four people would become a believer. But Jesus wanted to tell them that his kingdom, the kingdom of God, would begin small, but would grow into something quite large. The kingdom of God would at first seem insignificant, but it would grow into something with a huge influence. And to make sure his disciples were encouraged, Jesus used the mustard seed and yeast, two commonly found items, to illustrate his point.
0: I didn't realize that. So Patsy, I was wondering if there's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, and what exactly is this kingdom all about?
1: The kingdom of heaven is also known as the kingdom of God. And it means it is a kingdom where God reigns and rules as king. Now, many people think this kingdom happens in the afterlife. And yes, when Jesus comes back again in the near future, he has promised that the kingdom of God will be fully established with him as the undisputed eternal king. But for now, as we live in the in-between period, in the not yet fully manifested kingdom. All of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ as our savior, we are citizens of God's kingdom now and forevermore. This is because the presence of God is right here with us. And I'll tell you more about this kingdom after I say a few words about these two parallel parables.
0: Okay, so let's get into the details then about the mustard seed and the yeast.
1: Yep, let's do that. Okay, so the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds commonly planted in Israel during Jesus' time. It's only about one millimeter or 0.03 inches in diameter. Now, that's absolutely tiny, but when it's planted in the ground, it surprisingly grows up to 10 to 12 feet tall within a few weeks. Likewise, it only takes a little yeast to grow a lump of dough into a big fluffy bread when baked. So Jesus was using two insignificant items that produce unusually significant results. You see, Jesus was reassuring his followers that even though he was a humble carpenter without earthly status or power, God himself would grow the kingdom of heaven into a worldwide movement. He was telling them not to judge their efforts or Jesus' power by what they could see right then. And this applies to us today as well. Indeed, the history of the church has shown Jesus' prediction to be true. Despite repeated persecution and attempts to eradicate Christianity, nothing and no one can thwart the growth of God's kingdom. This truth should really encourage and strengthen us, especially when we feel that the world is heading in the wrong direction, and we think that we are few and far between in numbers. Even today, as church attendance has been declining in the Western world, many countries, including Africa and South America, are seeing a record number of believers coming into the kingdom of God. And just as the birds in this parable are perched on the branches of the mustard plant, people will continually be drawn to God's kingdom to find a community to call home.
0: Yes, but how do we reconcile the often problem-filled churches of today with this ideal kingdom of God that Jesus talks about?
1: This kingdom of God on earth today, represented by the universal church, is not yet the ideal rosy home we are all longing for. And this is because we are living in a sin-filled world. John 12, 31 tells us that Satan is the ruler of this world. As such, the world's ideas, philosophies, hopes, and dreams are under Satan's influence and control. And worse, John 10, 10 tells us that Satan's mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy mankind and the world. And that's why Satan tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God and to choose free will over obedience to God. Because of this, all of us who are descended from them are born with a sin nature. But praise God that Jesus Christ has given and done everything to reclaim us from Satan and his kingdom of darkness. Through Jesus, the power and penalty of sin is broken But because the presence of sin is still with us until Jesus comes back again, this kingdom of God is not yet the perfect ideal community of love, joy, and peace. But if all of us truly submit ourselves daily to the leading of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, all these values that embody a new creation in Christ, these values will transform our hearts and minds so that the kingdom of God here and now can become this ideal community of love, acceptance, and fulfillment. That's why there are so many passages in the Bible about dying to our selfish desires, forgiving one another, and loving one another with the love of Christ.
0: Yes, that's such a tall order. We can get overwhelmed by just thinking about it. So where do we begin?
1: As the parable reminds us, small things in the hands of God can become great works. Oftentimes, we think we are too small to do anything big for God. We are too insignificant to make a difference. But small faith grows and becomes mature faith When well-watered with God's word, prayer and fellowship with other believers. Small steps under God's direction become big plans. Small acts of love grow and become a Holy Spirit-led way of life. As Mother Teresa said, small things done with great love can change the world. And God often uses the frail, fallen, and insignificant to do his great works. Many years ago, when we were living in Boston, we went to say our final goodbyes to our pastor's wife, who was dying from cancer. Instead of encouraging her, she was the one encouraging us, telling us how she cherished this time in the hospice, where she could finally lay still and spend all her time praying for people. Indeed, God delights in using what is small and insignificant to accomplish his big purposes. So let's start small. Let's do simple things with love to bring about the kingdom of God in someone's life
0: today. If you like this video and want to see more like this, jump on over to our YouTube channel or listen on podcasts with Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many more. And may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.